Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Together we grow from me to we. Friends, hear the word of the Lord today from Ephesians chapter 2 as we continue in Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God and not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, please help us before such a word of Scripture. Please help us. Lord, to see you, to know you, and to glory in your sovereign grace. In Jesus' name, amen. What a passage. It's it's Father's Day, and and that makes me think of um, the story of two Saturdays. There was a father who uh, was just trying to keep the discipline of a journal, and he opened up his journal and wrote June 16th. Saturday, not much happened, good day with the family, closed. His little son, seven years old, was keeping his first diary. He unlocked it, opened it up, wrote on the top, June 16th, all caps, best day ever. This morning, made waffles with dad, spilled some, dad said, It was okay. We played catch in the yard. I caught one real high. Dad caught one between his legs. Went to the pool. I did my first cannonball. Pizza for dinner. I love Saturday. (laughs) Best day ever. Now, how did the dad miss that? How did he miss it? See, friends, we don't want to miss it. I don't know about, about you, um, but boy, as a dad, I feel like it goes by quick. My son, Jack, just graduated high school, and then he turned 18, and uh, he's off to college at the end of the summer. And maybe you've 
had this feeling, some of you dads, you have a child and you start having fun together and just about the time you realize this is actually an awesome responsibility and there's so much I want to teach this this little guy. He graduates and off he goes to college. But listen, don't give up. I want to encourage you. Don't give up. Stay involved. Jump in. Don't miss it. Well, this passage today wants us not to miss it. Don't miss it. And by it, I don't just mean parenthood. I mean something much larger than that. This passage is is life and death. It's the difference between being alive in Christ and being dead outside of Christ. In fact, this passage is so, this is such a profound passage, I'm scared to preach it right now. I mean, I I, uh, I'm frightened. I would rather just read it again to you and have you carry it home and think about it because this is it. This is life and death in Christ or out of Christ. We're talking in Ephesians about me to we, studying how God moves us from a me-centered life, a self-centered life, into a a we-centered life with Christ at the very core of it. And we heard last week that nothing unites like the name of Jesus by the power of God. And how that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power that reached into the the solitary isolation of death itself and pulled Jesus out of the grave, that same power is active in us to break us out of isolation, to pull us into community, into the household of God. That is awesome stuff. And you know, it's more than just alone or accompanied. It's more than just community uh, building. It's more than, than the social network. What we see here today is that it's life and death. Listen now. You can live your way to death or you can die your way to life. It's a crossroads. You can, you can live in a way that leads to death or you can give your life over now to Christ. You can die to self and live to him and know eternal life. It's that big. It's that big. As for you, verse 1, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. What a nice note. Have you ever written a note like that to a friend? This is... You know, Paul, this is a friend writing. Paul likes these people. He actually loves them a great deal. You can read in Acts chapter 20 about how they both cried when he had to leave the church. They love each other very much. And Paul writes this nice note to you. Hey, guy, you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. Now, obviously, they weren't dead. They were, they were living people. So what does Paul mean? What is he talking about? What is this telling us? Friends, there is a way to live life that is actually a walking death. There's a way to live that is no life at all. You can can live yourself to death. You can live to death. Dead, he says, in your transgressions and sins. Well, what's a transgression? A transgression is, is when you, 
you transgress the line. You walk over the line. There's a line there. God drew the line right in front of you, but, but you see the line. You just walk right on over. You transgress. And, and so you sin. You commit a crime against God's law. You commit a crime against God's law while living in God's world. You, God set the line there. You see it there, but you just walk right across it. Why? Because you, you don't much care that it's God's world. You don't much care for God's ways. So do you see how, how sin, transgression, is actually living life as though God were not there? It's disregard for God. And this says it was death. That's death. You're not actually dead, but you're as good as dead. You're, you're living to death, not to life as you walk in your transgressions and sins. One of Jesus' most famous stories is the parable of the prodigal son. The disobedient younger son takes all of his resources and wastes it all, chasing his own desires. And what does the father say to the lost boy's older brother when when he finally comes home? He says to the older brother, he says, you've got to come into the party, Luke 15, 32. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was, what? Dead. And now he's alive. He was lost. And now he's. The father says, when he was doing that, he was dead. He was dead. There's a way to live your life to death. Are you you just living to death? Look at this description with me now. Verses 1 to 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you once lived when, when you, here you go now, number one, when you followed the ways of this world. That's number one. When you just drifted along with the ways of this world. Oh, is that the way we're going now? I thought God said something different about that, but okay, I'll just go along. Here we go. He says that's, that's just living to death. Number two, you were, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you once lived when you, number two, uh, followed the ways of this world and the ways of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Friends, this is a colorful way. Paul is talking here about Satan, the deceiver, the adversary. Jesus said to his followers in John 10.10, 10, there's someone else out there. There's an adversary out there. He says it's the thief. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is saying there's an, there's an opponent, there's an adversary, a deceiver, and he has come to steal and kill and destroy. He wants you to live to death. He wants to rob you of your life. And he whispers into your ear, oh, come on. Oh, come on. Try, you know, d- do that thing. Try that thing. Watch this. Drink this. Oh, you'll have so much fun. You'll have so many laughs. Oh, it'll be such a, it'll be such a memory. Oh, just, just jump into that. And there's no word about the corrosive poison that is entering your soul, that is entering your family, that is entering your future. He's come to rob you 
of life, to steal, to kill, to destroy. You were dead when you drifted along with the world, listening to the deceiver. And third, all of us, verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. When are you dead? When you're, when you're just drifting along with the ways of the world, when you're listening to the voice of the deceiver, you're dead, you're living to death when, when you, just, you just live according to gratifying the, the cravings of your flesh, the desire, your inclinations. You say, well, what's your, what inclination is within you? Oh, okay, then you just, you just go do that. You just do you. You gotta do you. Listen, you are not subject to be tugged around by whatever desire erupts within your flesh. Some of the things you feel inclined to do are not the best things to do. God's way is the life-giving way. Measure your own desires and inclinations and internal compulsions by God's ways. He has drawn the lines in good places for you. I think the fathers and grandfathers in the room might want to turn and say amen to that, right? Listen, I don't want to be uh, morbid, but I want to be accurate to this powerful text. It says you were dead, Oh, I thought the younger brother was off having a good time. It says, the father says, that's when he was, he was dead. Oh, I thought I was just making my way in the world. He says, that's when you were living to, to death. You were dead. And I don't want to be morbid. I don't want to be dark, but I want to be accurate. The image you need to have, I'm sorry to say this is a little dark, but the image you need to have is of a corpse. Just floating down a river subject only to the currents as they push and pull. No life, no life at all. Listen, you can live, you can live to death and it just looks like this. Just drifting along down the river, purposeless, meaningless, lifeless. Some of you are saying, Pastor, that's really, boy, that's dark, that's harsh. But others of you in this room I know are saying that finally describes exactly what I've been feeling. Kirsten Powers um, wrote an article last week in response to the suicides of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, two, two people seemingly at the top of their ladder, and, and she said the best way to help is to share stories of struggle with suicide and depression that people survived, and so she shared her own story where she was near to taking her own life at one point. But she also said the reason suicide and depression are on the rise is there's something wrong with our culture. (laughs) You know it. You know it. There's something wrong. Something wrong in in lots of ways, right? But for her, she was saying there's something wrong in the push, push, push of a success-driven life founded on meaningless values. So we, we disconnect from families, we disconnect from friends, we disconnect from communities, all in search of 
personal achievement, of individual success. We divorce ourselves from other members of our community, even from our own family, in pursuit of personal gratification. Well, no wonder, of course, we're alone. Of course, we're depressed. And so she writes in this article, don't pathologize the despair that is a rational response to a culture that values people based on an ever-escalating financial and personal achievements. She says, don't make people feel sick when it's not them that's sick, it's the culture that's sick. (laughs) Amen. She says... She says, she goes on to say, we should acknowledge that something is very wrong. We should stop telling people who yearn for a deeper meaning in life that they have an illness or need therapy. Instead, we need to help people craft lives that are more meaningful, built on a firmer foundation than personal success. Well, I think she's right. I think think Paul knew that. I think that's what Paul was trying to tell his friends back in Ephesus. And Paul knew. He knew what it looked like to drive your life toward death. He knew what it looked like to live to death. He was once Saul. Saul, a fanatical persecutor of the Christian church, an anti-Christian terrorist. He knew what it was to be so driven to shine that he destroyed other lives. You can read in Acts chapter 7 about a mob that rose up and and stoned a teenager publicly named Stephen. And then when you get to chapter 8 in Acts, it reads this. It says, and Saul approved of their killing him. This is Paul that you know. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. They were sad, but Paul, Saul, began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This is is Paul that we know. Saul is Paul, and he knows what it is to live to death. See, he doesn't say just, just you at one time. He says we at that time. We were drifting along, just living to death, driven to destruction. But friends, that's not the end of it. Oh, come to verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. From death to life, from dead to alive. Because of what? On what grounds? Because of God, rich in mercy. Because of God. God and His grace and His great love for us. You can can live to death or you can be alive in Christ and know eternal life because of His mercy and His love. And you say, well, how do I do that? Well, we confess. 
We recognize, we pray that Jesus Christ is our Savior, that our lives are not our own, that we belong to Jesus. We pray and we we recognize that we no longer live to ourselves, that that life of just living to death, that's no more, that we we have died and now we live to Christ. As Paul says elsewhere, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. That's all gone. That's been crucified, it's dead and buried. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is so complete, it's so total, it's so everything that it's like being crucified. It's from death to life. It's nothing smaller than that. Paul compares it to death. Jesus himself called it taking up your cross. He said, losing your life for my sake is how you find your life. You give me your whole life, he says, so you can live to death. You can live to death. Or you can die. You can be crucified with Christ. You can give your life over to Jesus Christ. You can recognize that you fully belong to him, that he is your Lord, he is your Savior. And then if you do that, then you live. You live. Not just drifting along the river, pulled by currents, dead to everyone around you. No, you you live. You are alive in Christ. See, by comparison, you see, without Christ, you're as good as dead. You're as good as already in the grave, solitary and alone and lost and darkened and dead to everyone around you, but in Christ. But in Christ, you are saved. God, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Amen. Amen. You can live to death or you can die. Give your life to Christ and you will know an eternal life welling up within you like you never imagined. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. It's all for his glory. It's all for his glory expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, it repeats. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that none can boast. Oh, what works? What, what, what have you done that will, be, that will serve as the, the existential basis of your life? Do you want to boast in your achievements? Oh, come on. You did not save yourself when you were drifting down the river dead. It's God rich in mercy. It's God because of his love who reached down in his son Jesus Christ. All glory to God. He loves you so much. He reached down in Jesus. It's Jesus that you feel. It's his hand that you feel pulling you up, grabbing you and grabbed you and pulled you out of loneliness and into family, out of, out of that isolation 
of me and into actually being we, out of death and into life. And in Christ, you will not only find life, but you will find purpose. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Yes, God's got plans for you. He's got stuff for you to do. Stuff that is, it's his purposes for his glory and it's to your fulfillment and ultimate joy to be a part of it. He's got stuff for you. Friends, don't live to death. In Christ, don't live to death. Die to live. Put the death behind you. Go handle it now. You see, you give your life over to Jesus. And then death has no sting. There's no fear to it at all. You're just going to sleep in the presence of God. You're just going to go right into eternal glory. You give your life to Christ now and you begin to live eternal life in his name. Put your life in Jesus' hands. See, when you're living to death, you're just drifting along numb and and lifeless. The people around you know it and, and they suffer it. They suffer it. I've had the privilege to sit with many people in their last uh, hours and days. But one man I'll never forget, I sat with him for a long time on an afternoon and, um, and we were planning his memorial service together because we knew that, that it, was, it was pending. And he said, uh, he said to me, Tim, the one thing I want you to do, I want you to try to reach my boys with the love of Jesus. I said, why? He said, well, I, he said, I tried. I, um, I worked hard. I provided. I was a good father. I, I gave them great experiences. We had great vacations, great uh, uh, trips, uh, great uh, homes and great schools. I gave them all that. I was able to give them all that, a bright future. But one thing I failed at, I never shared with them the love of Jesus and what he means to me. He said, can you help my boys see Jesus? I said, I'll try. And I tried. I tried. Friends, it's not too late. It's not too late until it's too late. Be present. Share the love of Jesus with the ones you love the most. Share with them what what matters most to you in your heart. Do it today. Do it today. Put the embarrassment aside. Come on. So as I was looking at this uh, sermon and researching, I, I looked back on a Father's Day sermon that I preached in uh, 2005 when um, my family was in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I was in uh, Camp Atterbury Joint Military Training Center in beautiful uh, central Indiana <laughs> where I was um, uh, serving as an Army chaplain. And I was giving the sermon at the chapel there trying to encourage the soldiers headed to Iraq that even though they were far from their children, they weren't absent. You see, distance doesn't equal absence. You can be present and be absent, you know. But I tried to encourage them, no, it's love, it's attention. Just because you're here doesn't mean you're far. But as I was looking at that sermon, I found this, um, and I just want to read it for you as we close I received a little blessing 
on Father's Day. I got some cards and things for sure, but the real blessing was this. My wife told me about my son's prayers at dinner. He had bowed his head, said what we always say. He's only just five. He said, dear God, for these and all our blessings make us grateful. And then instead of amen, he said, and please give daddy good choices for his dinner. See, I had told him about our army food. (laughs) I went on to say, that little prayer completes a father's joy. You see, the fact that I'm here and and he's there caused him to take my burdens and his to our father in heaven. That little guy is trying out the Father in heaven. See how that works? He's going to throw his weight toward Jesus. And here's the good news. When he tries him, he will find him good. I wrote that in 2005, preached it, and now that little boy, my son Jack, is 18 and off to college and and leaning on Jesus. Friends, don't live to death. Die and live in Christ and know eternal life and be present to those you love with the love of Jesus and complete the Father's joy. Lord, please be with us today on a a beautiful and glorious day and be glorified in our lives, O sovereign Father God, you who own our lives, you, Lord, who love us more than we could ask or imagine. Lord, reach down and grab each one of us by your sovereign grace and mercy. Let today be the day, no more living to death. Life in Christ, to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.